Welcome, I'm Nicole Bosky, and you're listening to the Primal Gathering Podcast. Primal Gathering is a global regenerative gathering model that promotes the restoration of people, forests, and ecosystems simultaneously and holistically through events. During each episode of this podcast, we will showcase the people spearheading regenerative change through their projects, businesses, and or communities, exploring why they do what they do and the joys and tribulations that arise from building alternative systems with integrity rooted in their values. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever it is you're tuning in from today. This week's podcast is with the founder of Traditional Dream Factory, Sam Delesk. Described as a playground for living and creating together, TDF, as it's also known, is essentially an experimental project trying to figure out what it means to live regeneratively, socially, environmentally, and economically simultaneously. What they've managed to do in the last six months after assuming the property is pretty astounding. It's not a luxury just quite yet, but it has all the means to be an incredible space for co-creation and co-visioning for the future and also makes for quite a great host for the primal reforestation gathering happening in a week's time. We're excited to uh, collaborate and plant a thousand trees on TDF's land just soon. So a little bit about Sam. In his 20s, he founded a social network for photographers, which led him to become deeply immersed in the world of software technology and explore all of its capabilities, including its capacity to decentralize power, which has become an integral piece to the TDF project and vision. After working in a New York office for several years, he decided to become a digital nomad and began traveling and working on the road. And as one does, he met a number of like-minded souls and came to recognize that there was this deep-seated call and almost need for spaces where people could come together and have access to amenities, co-working spots, but also share space with other people who are questioning the paradigm in which we've been traditionally living in, which is when he founded OWASA, a network of co-owned regenerative villages designed to accommodate the modern citizen while preserving its environment. During our conversation, we take a moment to appreciate the hippie movement and why we have a lot to thank them for as they pioneered what we are now essentially acquainting ourselves as the modern regenerative village movement, but also how there's a lot to improve on as many communities falter due to a negligence on economic stability, our hunger to create a world where we live in alignment with our surroundings, and how, being quite honest, we don't really exactly know what that might look like and why the world of finance and crypto may be key to unlocking a new world of decentralized power. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and opinions on the other side of this podcast. I'm, I'm still curious about, you know, growing up in a rainbow gathering organizing family and the impact that that has on one's kind of worldview. What do you think you learned? Like what kind of principles and values do you think you learned through being in those environments at such an early age? I mean, I was always curious. Um, 
I, I, I don't know which one came first, you know, being a hippie kid or being curious, you know, getting access to these kind of environments, it definitely helps you unfold the creativity and, and curiosity. And you get, I mean, you know, people have so many preconceived ideas about hippies, but really it's just a bunch of people who are living outside of the box and who have outside of the box uh, ways of thinking and who are trying different things and different lifestyles. And then a lot of the things that we are trying today uh, they all came out of the hippie movement. I mean, a lot of these kind of communities and so on, a lot of it just came from hippie ideas. And so as much as we we're trying to, you know, make it sound more professional or whatever these, these days that villagers are trying to achieve, regenerative villagers, the pioneers were the hippies, basically. And so there's a lot of lessons to be learned there and a lot of lessons on how to organize, how to not organize, mm. how to how to struggle with um, trying to build a new system out of an existing system. A lot of these communities struggle with, you know, raising money, for example, mm. or organizing the place. And when you're constantly in that struggle of not having the resources to put in place the systems that are going to make your life easier, I think you that's that's like one thing that I would like to change that I'm trying to to change uh, here with TDF. I mean, even though some of our values are still very much aligned with some of the first generation communities, I think what we are trying to build is also way more tech focused and yeah. And I think in general, yeah, I think I think Keep is a, a wonderful community to grow up in. Uh, <laughs> uh, as much as I hated some of the aspects I growing up in it and mm -hmm. you know I, I was always like falling around my dad and he was always talking to all these people and I was always like a bit tired of it but I did learn things and I did meet people thinking differently and I'm sure it influenced me in some ways uh, but I can't tell but that's how life goes and do you think that experience is what has made in some way the work that you're doing with TDF kind of front and center in, in your life? Um, I wouldn't say so. I think, I think when I started working in tech and so on, I just started with the same mindset. And, you know, a lot of tech projects were started by people hippies or others that had out-of-the-box thinking and unconventional ideas. Uh, but I think that's not just, you know, uh, that's not just the current regenerative village movement. It's every, every change in society has started by someone having a crazy idea, trying something out. Sometimes things fail and sometimes things succeed and then society changes. And we're not even the early adopters. We are like the people who are going to bring this to the majority. And TDF for me, it's that. It's creating a new way of living that's more in sync with nature, more in sync with how we want to live, work, play, create, connect, create a sense of belonging, create a sense of purpose. And I'm doing this for myself uh, and for everyone else around me. And yeah, I think, uh, I think we need more innovation and we need to, to rethink how we live as a society. Uh, I think everyone or like a lot of people are really exhausted by by you know just the facts of societies the ways that we operate the ways that we 
want to bring structure into everything. We create administrations for everything, bureaucracy, uh, so you have to file for permits to to grow plants to to do anything. Yeah. You need you need to to fit fit in the box, and I think people are realizing that we can't containerize the entire planet. We can't put everything into a box. We can't control everything. We have to let go of that control and let go of the idea that we can yeah just operates um like a computer basically i think we have to be a bit more holistic than that and and give ourselves more freedom and and you know niche was exploring these ideas 150 years ago whatever it is saying that the industrial revolution might lead us to to not have to work anymore and in a way it's true like we have so much material abundance today uh that we have so much material abundance and material is becoming obsolete. We have so many things that the new generations, they don't even care about materials anymore. Like everything that was so important to our parents' generation, it doesn't even matter to them, not because they are hippies, but because they are just overwhelmed by so much material. Like we just don't need it. All we need is community purpose belonging. And however you can find that, that's how you should do it. And yeah, and, and of course, there's a big chunk of nature and needing to live more in tune with it. And, and more and more people are realizing that we can't just live in an extractive economy uh, going forward, that we can't just keep depleting all natural resources just to earn more dollars. And that, yeah, we have to find new ways that we can do things where we actually doing good for biodiversity, doing good for carbon, doing for carbon sequestration, doing good for for growing more life. Uh, we don't, we can't live on concrete. We can only live when nature is around. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really love that. There's um, there's there's someone I was listening to the other day called Paul Hawken. And the way that he described regeneration is, you know, when you put life at the center of all the decisions that you make, you know, I want to do this. Does this support life? Does this regenerate life? Does this equip life with more energy and empowerment rather than the extraction economy, so to speak, that we've been living in, in terms of the kind of capitalism construct? But there's a question that I have, you know, with all this, all these movements, it feels like it's become this like bigger and bigger phenomenon in the circles that we are around. But in the mass scale, 98% of people are quite disengaged. So is, regener is regeneration possible within extractive capitalism as a modus operandi? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to... I like to think so. <laughs> um, yeah, no, for me, it's it's not about solving the global scale because we're never going to solve the global scale by trying to solve the global scale. Like, you know, I keep having these conversations and people are saying, oh, but there's so many problems to solve. I'm like, no, like we have a roof over our head. We live, we are regenerative. And if we just do it well, we can, if we're having a, the best life, uh, and that's a way to be regenerative, that's how people are going to copycat. I mean, who wants to sit in a cubicle nine hours a day and earn your small paycheck and, you know, struggle to make ends meet and paying a big rent? 
if you have this other option where you can get paid more money, have more freedom, more community, more belonging, do what you love. Um, I think we want, we want to do the same thing as, uh, as I was talking about before with the abundance of material goods and just not, not telling people what to do or you know, feeling guilty about being sustainable and so on. I don't think that's the way forward because it's just every time you limit yourself and you don't take a plane because, because you're thinking about your footprint, uh, it doesn't really do much good. Uh, whereas, you know, if you create a system that's going to empower future generations to live more sustainable, mm. now you're creating and you get an infinite return on your investment. So for every person that transitions into this lifestyle of living more regeneratively, more in tune with nature and just copycatting, basically, we have a way bigger impact. I think that's how, that's how it spreads. And to what you're asking about 98% of the population, uh, to me, it all comes down to what's our <laughs> virality index. Mm. Corona went pretty fast around the world because it spread pretty fast from human to human. And we just have to get to the same place with whatever technology and lifestyle that we're creating, making sure that it's actually affordable and accessible to everyone, not just something that the leads are doing. And we have to transition to that like quickly. And I think there's a big movement within crypto that enables us to completely lose the old system, like all the financial systems, everything, it's all getting obsolete by the day. In 10 years, you know, the meaning of money is gonna be completely transformed. So now everyone that's putting 40 hours a day for 40 years to try to earn money in, in a system that might not exist in 10 years, that's a pretty hard blow. And if that's what you're struggling for in life, then, you know, it's a good time to reconsider. Like, is that really what, what you want to do? And is that really the best use of your time? And like, if you could create a system that sustains you at the same level that the current system does, uh, what would that look like? And I think we can just open that question up to, to anyone to answer and create their own dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, lo I, I love what you're sharing there about creating those systems. And I'm just curious to hear like how you at TDF, which stands for Traditional Dream Factory, right? How you are creating those systems. Like how are you taking all these like ideas and practically putting them into practice? Yeah, I mean, so TDF is a playground. It's a 1500 uh, square meters of old uh, chicken factory buildings that we're converting to be a big playground for creatives, entrepreneurs, uh, people who are trying to live this new way of living. Yeah, I think, how do, we, how do we embody that? I think we embody it by, yeah, just by taking the step, you know, taking the step of just going for it. Like, it's not like uh, we're doing anything super unique, we're just, we're just living the dream that everyone is sharing or not everyone, but a lot of people have had this dream, especially in the last year, a lot of people had this realization. Like I want to live out of the city. I want to live with my friends. I want to work on projects that I care about. I want to create uh, wood, uh, wood constructions in my spare time. I want to make some food products. I want to grow some trees. I want to like all of these practical things that we are, losing because we're so hyper specialized in society mm -hmm. people want to have more diversity of activities during their day and they want to have 
spending more time with the people that they care about rather than spending time doing bullshit that they don't care about. And so, yeah, what the only thing that we're doing here is just taking action and actually doing it. And we are, we are trying to live it through our duocracy. So empowering people to actually do and to take action and to gain ownership in the space by doing what they love doing. So if you are a carpenter or, you know, if you want to learn how to do certain skills, you can come and you can build things. And when we did rebuild, now we hosted over 100 people and all the infrastructure to host 100 people, we built everything in like two weeks, basically. We built uh, three dry toilets, we built uh, like seven showers, we built uh, glamping tents, we built a half sauna, we built... Uh, so many things and it's all just things that you can you can just do it you don't have to ask for permission you don't have to wait for someone to 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 do it for you you can just try it do it and i think that's a the big big step forward that we're trying to bring is just doing it instead of dreaming it yeah yeah i really love the duocracy um i read your pink paper and I, I noticed like how in depth it was, you know, with the different kind of principles along the short term and the long term uh, goals and the kind of values that you wish to embody, the sense of governance that you wish, wish to implement. And I'm curious, like, how do you teach people to embody principles? For example, you mentioned like acceptance, right? So the individual ascent of the reality of a situation or other individuals recognizing and trusting the process or condition without attempting to change it or protest it. We shall embrace and learn from our differences and similarities, accepting feedback and learn how to give feedback. So that's something that as an idea sounds, you know, amazing, but then put into practice, you know, depending on who's, who's there, how do you ensure that those values are embodied? And then what kind of action do you take if you feel over time that those values aren't embodied? Yeah, good point. Well, I guess, I mean, us as founders of the project, we have a pretty big influence on the culture, right? And the influence that you create, it's, you know, you can put words into a pink paper, but really it all comes down to leading by example. If, if we do, if we enact, if we embody those values and we actually live by those standards, then people who are going to come here, they're going to live by those standards and going to embody those values. So, so the words are there so that we can kind of keep track of the vision, but we are trying to, yeah, to live it. And, you know, it's not perfect. And, and the pink paper, it's definitely a work in progress. We might be revisiting it. We might be like redoing everything. Basically, the pink paper is just a, it's a playground and it's a, an attempt at creating a new protocol for how we can live together as a group of humans in a small space in the context of a village. Um, and we're just going to be refining this culture as we grow and as we have more people coming and bringing new ideas and new ways of looking at things. Um, right now, we're in the process of just absorbing all the information and all the context that we already created in the past six months living here and building this and having i don't know how many people have stepped through the space but i think it's in the hundreds now uh, since we started building it and i don't know how many people slept in the glamping tent that we put up but we were pretty much uh, operational since the days that we got access to the buildings mm. and since the days that we got access to the buildings we have been having people here 
building things, improving, and every, every day gets a little better. The model gets a bit refined, and we are figuring out who we are and how we want to live. Um, and so, yeah, to go back to your question, I, I don't, I don't know how we can, how we can really enforce that culture. Um, mm. Culture is something that's really hard to, to enforce. Um, but I think by by thriving to get there, we'll get to a, to a pretty good place. And uh, I think it's all to me. It's all about incentivizing the right behaviors and incentivizing the just doing our intention. And if we're truly believing in in the project and in what we're doing, and like. I don't have a hidden agenda. Like the reason that I'm trying to do this is because I want to live it. So that's my clear stated yeah. goal. The clear stated goal of OASA as a project is to create a business model that works for nature where we can actually preserve ch chunks of land and put them into some kind of structure where they're not at the mercy of the market. And we can actually do some land regeneration on it with the uh, with the tranquility that whatever regeneration work we do is going to be there for future generations um, we're not going to be just selling this place off and you know chopping down the trees and building a highway um, mm -hmm. we know that we're going to be here we're going to be standing for those principles um, and we're going to make sure that whoever joins us on this journey is going to be living by those principles and wants to actually yeah follow the dream um, so and also like we're really taking the time to to build this and to bring the right people in we're not in any any rush to bring in the, the wrong people and lots of wrong incentives so we're really trying to build it from the bottom up and building not by you know bringing the big guns but rather building by step by step and and building a, a sustainable business model from the ground up where we can actually have a space that's a net exporter of value, where we can actually sell produce that's being made in TDF. We can have people come and stay, uh, guests and so on, and we can actually be a profitable uh, business, meaning that we are exporting more values than we are importing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really key piece is that um, a lot of these communities that tend to, to, to be really good at one or two of the three quadrants uh, which are economics social and ecology yeah. uh, but you really have to to be sustainable in all three because if one of the three fails then the entire project fails if your ecology doesn't doesn't follow you're not going to have air to breathe you're not going to have water if you don't your social doesn't work you, you know, people are going to be upset at each other you're not going to have Good interactions and you might be chased by the villagers and if your economic doesn't work the bank is going to call you one day and tell you that you don't own the place that you live in so um all, all three of those things need to be taken care of and i mean what i what i what i feel like i'm hearing is i'm reading the book at the moment called the hidden life of trees have you heard of it yeah we have it in the library yeah i've read it no, no, I haven't read it, but I had some, some, some of it. Okay, cool. So like, basically what I'm hearing is like an analogy in the book. So they, it talks about the beechum tree and the beechum tree, like the first like 
I don't know, hundred years. It's, it grows really, really slowly because the mother tree um, prevents it from receiving enough light. Otherwise it would grow really like fast. And the reason it does that is because the beech tree is building its internal foundation right? It's taking its time to build that foundation, get very like strong inside so that when the light, you know, is removed, when the mother tree maybe like dies or, you know, falls down or something like that, then the beech tree can, you know, grow at an astronomical rate, but without its bark being damaged or losing any water, right? And also growing like really strong roots into the ground. So like what I'm hearing you share essentially is that you have this pink paper, you have these things written down. And what you're figuring out at the moment is how these elements and these values that you are embodying in your own life can then be embodied on a cultural level. Um, and you're going at a slow pace to understand how that actually will, how that works in, in practice. And then how can you create a replicable model of that practice that other communities can possibly uh, copy? Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the replicability is a key factor. Um, yeah, I think I think all those trees do that actually. Now, like they trees, uh, they grow in the yeah under the canopy, like with all the oak trees here outside there, like that as well. We have all the little oak trees growing up around the the big mother tree, and then one day when the mother tree dies, and the small oaks they start growing. Um, I mean, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely how we would like to, to be, I think. Um, creating a, an alternative to, to the current system that's more, yeah, more in tune with nature, more in tune with ourselves, and that has better incentives and better alignment. And yeah, and... But yeah, I mean, it, it's really just a playground once again. Like we're just <laughs> we're just trying, and we'll we'll see what comes out of it. And I think what's important is not getting too stuck on the on the form and the shape, but just embracing that bigger vision. That yeah, that we're trying to create a, a model that actually works for the nature, not just for not just for the economics and not just for the humans and really bring that whole nature aspect into the equation that's really a key aspect of of any business that's starting in the 20th 21st century like there's no no big business today that's not thinking about it mm. because any business that's not doing it is going to be completely irrelevant in 10 or 20 years and it's going to be banned by if it's not by the government so it's going to be uh, it doesn't it's not going to have consumers because the consumers are going to be blaming it and so on but i think starting starting from that lookout point of creating something positive that we actually care about and we actually want to live in i think that's going to inspire more people to to take action and, and to to replicate and and to do the same thing um, and uh, and hearing that you know it's like there's also this argument that you know when we speak about nature we still speak about it as like this other phenomenon from us right but actually we are nature and maybe part of the problem is not is also not following our own nature because of the programming that we have in society. And I'm, I'm just curious, like how important is the self-development aspect of coexisting and co-living in community? And is that something that's integrated in traditional dream factory? 
I mean, we, we are kind of here to build the, the container. We are, we're leaving it up to whoever's going to show up to actually define that. Mm. Um, I think personal development is definitely very important. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's something that, that needs to be, to be dealt with by each person on, at their own level. And I think um, where we're seeing society go is just there's a lot more possibilities for customization of your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like one predefined format. Um, I think what we had in the in the fifties with standardization and so on, and everyone living the same model, the same family lives, the same nine to five job, and so on, like that that just doesn't exist anymore. Like now, the world is getting so diverse, and all the jobs are getting so diverse, the relationships are getting so diverse, the way we interact with each other is getting so diverse. And TDF is here uh, to provide one model that that will fit perfectly for a very small percentage of the population and hopefully will inspire others to create their own perfect model that will be perfect for their own little share of the population and yeah i think it's it's about creating a model that gives space to be who you are and i think that's maybe one of the most important thing in personal development is that you have to accept yourself mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't accept yourself and where you're going and where you're coming from then you can't accept the world either so i think that's what it's about it's about creating a space where you can truly be yourself and and not start by with with us like we're, we're creating a space that well and i'll start with me like i'm creating a space where i would like to live <laughs> and um and yeah, I'm just creating a, a frame and letting other people who want to to apply the same frame to their own lives uh, enjoy the journey. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. You know, spending even those like few days with you in that space, I definitely felt the freedom to be as I was. And that was also very, I mean, I think that's very nourishing and healing. It sounds really standard, but for some reason, the world that we live in puts pressure on us to be all together, for example, um, save face, uh, like things that maybe we don't necessarily like, act in ways in, in fear of judgment. And it's really important, I feel, to have those spaces and those containers where people can actually allow themselves to just be as they are, or however they, they show up, and then to be in a community of people who allow for that. I guess Rainbow is also a really good example of that. It's just, yeah, it's medicine. It's, it's probably the initial medicine that we all uh, need to allow ourselves to then figure out what it is that maybe we want for ourselves and, and the world. And the more that we can align with our own nature, then the more we can align with nature that is around us and give to it as opposed to extract from it, right? Yeah, totally. Being, being in a space of abundance, inside so we can be in the space of abundance outside um yeah yeah it's just creating those frameworks that are regenerative for for the humans as well as the nature and yeah i get i guess like i mean 
there's there's so many things that come up when when you start thinking about these things because it's it's so personal mm. you know we're we're so trained to think that we can just like be in a box and have like this private space called an apartment in a city mm. where you're where you're just like whether well, it's your box and and all your problems your personal problems will stay there but when when you move to a space where you're sharing space with others and you're sharing financials with others because we co-own a village together you're sharing yeah then then you get it to a whole other level of yeah of of caring and and, and it's another level of uh, communication with other humans and yeah it, it is an interesting space and yeah i mean it's also very intense and you know it's it's maybe not for everybody and i think the models that we are creating is uh it's uh, it has its own very specific uh, ways of 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 doing and dealing with things and yeah i think for us like leaving the space for 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 regeneration is very important what? Yeah. no i i hear you especially on the like the sharing right it, it can be it can feel so unnatural to share so deeply about what is really present but also that kind of transparency is what builds intimacy and then trust and trust is kind of core and foundational to yeah building anything right if you don't have trust then it's really hard to build anything on that because it's like building on sand right it just transpires and, and then withers um, so I think that, yeah, it's really beautiful that you integrate that element to your experience at TDF. And I know it's probably difficult because like you can't hide, right? And, but you have, but you have your, your glamping tent, which uh, <laughs> provides you with that little bit of space. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think humans need to have some personal space. Like, but I think being vulnerable and, you know, exposing yourself to, to, to sharing space and to sharing about all of the aspects of your life. It's, um, it's something unique. Um, but yeah, I mean, the long-term projects like we're looking to build bedrooms with on bathroom and so on and so on, uh, because that's what uh, we feel is the right level of intimacy and like consent, like the space between, between privacy and community. Um, I think you need to have those spaces where you can retreat. You need to have uh, the ability to come in and out uh, of the community. I think that's that's also a big aspect of what we're trying to bring here is that we're not building this community in a bubble and saying, yeah, you, you're, you're moving here, you're spending like 30 years here. Uh, no, we're creating like a, a living, breathing organism. You can hop in, hop out. You can come and spend a few months and actually a whole business model is to let you spend one month a year two months a year three months a year however long you want and building a relationship where you keep coming back but you're still able to be a nomad uh, you can have multiple spaces around the world where you want to to go back to it's not about putting you in in a single place and expecting everything from it it's like letting go of this expectation that you know a single place or a single person will provide you all the nourishment that you need in the world and just giving you an abundance of options and things to try mm. yeah that reminds me of a quote around like love like a friend of mine shared that love is choice 
and that feels feels to me that the model in some way that you're building for for the world is one of love essentially providing people the space to choose and also align with one's own nature in a container that holds them as they as they are and that's really beautiful and yeah i really want to like honor and, and celebrate your very pure intentions and noticeably uh, making a big ripple in in the world so far thank you yeah we'll see where this ripple goes but so far the wave seems to be picking up so so i want to i want to talk to you now a little bit about like technology right you've mentioned a few times the integration of you know let's say like the hippie movement the the restoration and regeneration movement and technology not to be abandoned so what part does technology play into this and assuming that listeners know nothing you know i read on your pink paper you know you're going through this whole token system and like, what is, you know, what is a token? How does it work? And what are like the objectives around it? Yeah, so one of the things we are building, uh, it's a community platform. Um, and really the main goal is just to provide an alternative for the big, uh, big players out there and creating a, a space uh, for the community. So just like the village, it's a container for people to be who they want to be within the physical realm we're trying to create a space in the digital realm where you can have data sovereignty you can know that your messages are being encrypted and protected and it's not like centralized in some big organization than tracked by the government and so on so i think giving data sovereignty back to to humans uh, is something that's also like critical to to yeah to to our freedom going forward as a species. And if you want to, to live within this digital world that we're creating, then we have to ensure that it actually embraces the values that we want to, to live within. And so, yeah, I think there's a really interesting emergence of um, technologies with all the crypto things happening and data getting decentralized and the possibility for app developers to create uh, systems that are not owned by any single entity or person and that are impossible to shut down impossible to monitor it takes power away from the centralized nation states basically and or any kind of centralized big organization and it's putting it back into the hands of individuals um, and that's not a transition that's going to happen overnight it's going to take a long time but essentially like it gives us the power to to live this more ideal version of of um, of a digital world that we're all seeking, and in a world where we can have more sovereignty, more independence, where we can where the digital world is more of an extension of the natural one rather than being in competition. And so, yeah, so basically, we're building this platform. It's called Closer Closer Earth. Uh, it's not live yet, but we will be registering the first 10 communities this year, uh, giving tools to basically host a community, whether it's, uh, we have like a school that's uh, implementing it. We have OASA, which is a network of, uh, of spaces, well, starting with one space right now. Um, and then we have Rebuild, which is this event for regional villages and Remote Burn, which we organized last year, an online Burning Man. And yeah, and so it provides you 
those tools and just like really like what you expect from like a social network, uh, but on a much smaller scale, on an intimate scale of a few hundred people. And then we're looking to just basically add all the features that you need to operate a physical space because that's our real interest. It's for us, for example, to be able to accept bookings here at TDF, for example, uh, without having to go to Airbnb or some of these platforms that charges you fees and that's centralized and that takes away from your sovereignty. Mm. Um, it's being able to be in a place where you can still be within your values, where people who come to the place, they can see what it's about and they're not just booking an accommodation they're actually booking a purpose they're coming to tdf with a reason they want to maybe build a sauna maybe they want to join the community or maybe they want to build a tech platform with someone who is staying at tdf so they're coming with a purpose and and that makes a big difference and then we yeah some of the other features we are looking to add is also like around events and ticketing uh, so that you can handle that for your community you can host events in your space. Um, and and then a, another big one is how do you create common values? Well, not values, but um, how do you work on common uh, outputs between the community? And the way that we are trying to, to solve for that is to have basically a task and offers. So there's a task and offers from the community itself. So say we need to build some a sauna we need to build some dry toilets or we need to paint a wall or do some cooking so that's a task that someone can pick up and they can get rewarded for it um, by the community by assigning tokens or by giving them a share into the revenue of the community and so on and so on so it's a way to decentralize work but it's also a way to connect members together so if you're working on a project and you have to create an event or whatever now you can put a task out there and the people from within this trusted groups that you're subscribed to, that you're connected with. Um, so yeah, so this task is also a way for people to interconnect. And you know, if you need to get a website built tomorrow and you can post that and then someone else might need, I don't know, like to help creating kombucha or whatever it is. <laughs> and then you can start working together on projects and you have a way to organize yourself as a group, as a community. And, and also as individuals, just being around each other and sharing values and creating value together and building together and creating and paying and, and I guess one last big thing is that this whole platform, we're looking to have it not just be um, like a separate entity, like imagine Facebook that's owned by stockholders, um, but have the, the, the community that actually own um, this platform. So it's going to be a decentralized organization where you're going to be able to own uh, a stake in it. Um, and you might actually be enforced that you own a stake in it if you want to get into deploying your own servers uh, with this service. And so it's not going to be a single uh, place where you can go and create a community. It's going to be a bunch of people who, who, who are co-owning this platform, who are co-deciding where the platform goes, what kind of features we're building next, uh, so ideally, we could see like, you know, if you had like a, a hundred or a thousand villages around the world that are doing models that are a little bit similar to TDF and they're needing some of the same technologies, then instead of everyone building their own, we can all collaborate. We can own uh, a stake in this bigger uh, technology project and we can create something that's much better by collaborating. 
And and is this connected with the tokens? So this what you're talking about, like the stake, is this the token that a person would receive from TDF, or is this this is something different, right? This is the platform. It's a separate token, yeah. Okay, so it's a set. It's a separate token. Okay. Yeah. And and can you explain just in general, like what what exactly is it is a token, and also how does that support and ensure the right for people, let's say, to use the TDF property or, for example, this this platform? So the token. Um, so at this stage, TDF is a it's a company. We are seeing how we can actually. Uh, decentralize it and use tokens to transition the ownership model from the old like uh, real estate legal piece where you have to get the land title and so on transitioning that to being on the blockchain so it's much easier to transfer that value and so on um, and with the only condition that so so that's the goal of OASA it's to is to hold land to put it within this kind of trusted system where the common vision is to protect the planet and to protect that land so so that you know that any regeneration works that you do is going to be protected and it's going to be there for for multiple generations um but the the right of use the usage of the space can be divided between anyone who who believes in this common vision and you can purchase um those tokens which represent the right of use and the uh, but it's not only right of use because you also get uh, the voting right and so on to decide how the project evolves. Um, you get the full stake, uh, but you're within this frame of okay. Now we take there was a the legal world before it was enforced by governments and you know nation states protecting it with the armies, and that's how we have private property. And now we're transitioning that system into a new system which has okay, like there's this legal structure, we believe that um, there's this entity which, uh, which purpose is to protect the land, to provide regeneration, to provide those services for humans, for nature, for economics and creating a system that actually works. And now how do you wanna, uh, what you wanna do within the system is up to you. And the whole value of the old system gets transferred onto the blockchain system. So when you own a token, you own the right of use. So if you want to spend the rest of your days living at TDF, you can just buy some tokens and you know you'll be you'll be able to to do your dreams whether you want to plant a forest, start a business here, or you just want to continue your day job. Uh, you can sit in the co-working and code away for, for whatever job you're doing. And that's kind of up to you, but it's transitioning the idea that it's transitioning the idea of ownership into stewardship and giving you the opportunity to do something positive for the planet just by living your life basically mm, i love that and i guess my question here is like what do you what significance does mutual ownership um or stewardship rather give uh, an, uh, an entity like like traditional dream factory what 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 sorry what significance does mutual ownership or stewardship in this case, you know, give um, a traditional dream factory? Like what's the effect of it? Why is it imp important? So, I mean, let, let's imagine a village. Um, now you have some settlers coming and they build the first houses and the next settlers come and so on. And every time people are just buying uh, a square piece of land 
and you know that's how it goes and then in the end you have a city what if instead you imagine a city where people got together and when they came instead of buying a, a square of land they bought a fraction of the entire project mm-hmm. um so now every time the baker sells bread they actually benefit from it every time the you know something positive happens they benefit from it and so you are you have a, a collective interest in the good of the project uh, so you are aligning the incentives between the different players which are the different people who are living in the space and you're just creating more avenues for collaboration because now when you see someone who is struggling on the business well you actually have a financial incentive to help them so instead of being in competition with them you're collaborating with them and it just creates this new yeah this new way of uh, of thinking about things and it, it just kind of flips the model on it on its head and and yeah it's um and it also gives you access to a much more diversified much less riskier pool of assets because uh, if you look at it just from a strictly old system financial perspective if you just invest in a single pot of land at somewhere uh, you have a lot of risk because you don't know what's going to happen to the plot. You know, you can have a fire, you can have your know, house can, can, there can be an earthquake or, you know, the country might decide that uh, private property is not a thing anymore or whatever it is, uh, like things can happen. But if you own a stake in multiple projects around the world, multiple villages, uh, then all of a sudden you have a diversified portfolio. You're going to have better rate of return and yeah and on a more spiritual level i mean you're gonna feel better because you know that actually what you're doing you're putting your money where your words are and you're actually living a life that's creating a positive outcome for yourself for the planet for the people around you for the local communities and you're trying to live more in sync between where you want to go and where your investment advisor is telling you to do Mm, yeah i i really i really love that i think like yeah that that feels very hopeful for the world and especially in the sense of um kind of the old traditional ownership model and hierarchical models and like sense of power right that when people get uh you know an let's say someone owns a property and therefore that person and individual has the control of making decisions that affect other people and then people just have to go uh, along with it and then resentment builds and then that doesn't create glue right it actually creates space and more space Mm -hmm. between people and so I think that that's such a beautiful initiative and I, I guess I'm curious how that's impacted traditional dream factory up until this point this approach have you felt the effects I mean, yeah, I mean, I can compare to, to, uh, to other people who have more in the old mindset now of land ownership and maybe land extraction. And we're not quite there yet. Like, I don't think people feel a strong sense of ownership yet. I think we still have to refine the model for people to really be able to, to play a role there. But definitely the invitation to, to play and to co-create and to co-own, I think that invitation has been felt. And I think people don't know yet how to fully engage with it. But I think the, the, the vision is there and the, the, the desire to participate in this kind of system is definitely there. And 
I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be like a slow, slow rollout before we, we really get to, uh, to the world that we want to be in. The, the maturation of the whole blockchain ecosystem and the whole laws regulating these kind of things is going to make that transition a lot easier over the next years. And I mean, it's definitely where we are headed and TDF is just trying to be a step ahead and really trying to bring those models to life test out different models um and yeah tdf is uh, it's a prototype and, and we're gonna keep prototyping keep reinventing changing and we're, we're not we're not tied to to a model we're not we're not um 100 set in in the ways that we we do things um, but we're set on wanting to change things for the better and committed to this vision that we have uh, I think whenever the time is right, when the technology and the legal framework and all of these things mature, our vision is going to empower so many more people to do the same thing around the world and to start villages and, and to just transition to a new society. I love that. I love that vision. And I guess, you know, there's, a, there's only like one kind of more uh, big question on this is that, you know, there's been so many different intentional you know, communities that have started. Um, and for some reason, you know, the breaking point is usually between like eight to, to 10 years. And apparently, like I, I was reading that they, they failed due to not having or implementing, let's say, administrative or managerial forces that people are generally kind of trying to escape from when they start these intentional communities. What, how can you ensure, or how are you ensuring with TDF or also the work that you do with Rebuild in the regenerative community space and network that you're creating to create and empower intentional communities so that they last. Uh, I, I hate to, to say it, but, uh, but there is a certain level of professionalism that we are bringing in to the space and seeing that it's not just a bunch of hippies buying some land together and starting a commune like we we're not a commune we're not um we are very clearly defined model uh first of all i don't, I don't think many communities from from back then like really went in as many details as for example the pink paper does in terms of like in the very practical things um and i think creating systems in that fashion really designing it like like you design technology like you design products designing it with a ease of use in mind as a final consumer um i think that alleviates some of those problems and also we're not super idealistic either i mean we're not you know i know a lot of communities that they have super high intentions but like really low execution like they don't for example, they might not even have an economic model whatsoever. They, they just want to, to be in nature, be in sync and so on. But I think the, the big thing that we're trying to achieve with rebuild and with this new generation of villages is creating a system that actually works financially, where we can be who we want to be, but still be within a functional system. And that's why I insisted earlier on wanting to be a net exporter of goods. We want TDF to actually be a successful business. If you look at it from a now business hat in a traditional world, uh, where every year we produce a certain amount of goods um, 
that gives us leverage. So if we are selling products to the outside world and we are creating internal value, that creates leverage for us to go and do other things. Uh, it creates leverage to maybe not pay rent in the future. It creates leverage to, you know, whatever it is. And so if you think about these systems in a positive way and how can you have the system work for you and not have you work for the system, um, like that was kind of a lesson from the four-hour work week is that building a, a business for the sake of building a business and spending your whole life working on that business that's not really a goal to strive for you should build a business that actually does work for you so mm. you can optimize to spend as much time playing and doing other things and that's that's i mean a lesson that we're trying to apply here is how can we create a, a successful business that actually does the work for us that covers expenses for us and not the other way around mm empowering the sense of, of freedom right so that we are kind of like slaves to the to, to the system and bound um mm -hmm. yeah that's really beautiful and i guess my final question for you which i ask every person is if the world were exactly as you would wish it to be it would be like what <laughs> so well it was exactly like i wished it to be well uh, since childhood, I always had this vision of a world where there was a lot more nature, like where, where, where not everything had to be designed by humans, and there's enough space for nature to to just be, and yeah, it'd be a world where we learn to use technology and we learn to to create organizations and systems that work for us and that actually empowers us to spend the majority of our time playing. I think we have been optimizing way too much in the last 300 years on building a, a world that optimizes the system, but we kind of forgot the end goal. And to me, that end goal, it needs to be creating more biodiversity, creating more life, creating more play, letting us explore who we are and and just having fun. That's, that's a world that I want to be in. Thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate you taking the time to connect with me today. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. If you resonate with what we're creating, come get your hands dirty with us at Primal Gathering this November and plant a thousand trees. And if you can't make it, I'd also deeply appreciate to hear your thoughts via a review or a rating on iTunes. So follow us on all the social networking things at Primal Gathering and have a beautiful rest of your day.